Well, as Oscar said this morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 139 as we wrap up the final sermon that, that it's been our summer sermon series, Summer in the Psalms. And we're going to be looking at the Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to that if you have a Bible app. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles at our Welcome Center. We would love for you to grab one on your way out and bring it with you to worship next week. But Psalm 139 is what we're going to be looking at today. And while you're finding that, I thought I'd catch some of you up. If you weren't here last week, Emily and I had a special announcement that we are having a child. We're having baby Anderson. Um, And, you know, we announced that publicly last week. We put it on Facebook. And since we announced that, a lot of things have changed. And one of the things that has changed has been the ads that I'm now seeing on Facebook. You know, I used to get ads for, like, traveling the world, luggage, barbecue grill accessories, all those kind of things. But now, all of a sudden, my ads have shifted. And it was like as soon as we made the announcement, now they've shifted to baby cameras. Now, for those of you who had children long ago, you probably remember baby monitors, right? So you remember if you took it like 25 feet, it would kind of start crackling and you couldn't listen anymore. Well, I need to update you on the technology because baby monitors have changed and they have come a long, long way. So now they have baby cameras. So you can not only see your child at all times, you can also talk to your child. You can see your child. You can um, play music over the baby camera to the child. You can like do a little night light so it lights up, helps them wake up in the morning or helps kind of calm them down at night. You can even gauge the air quality, the temperature, all of those, the humidity, a lot of them have humidity sensors. So you can gauge all of those things. And one of them, it even said you can get a sleep report every morning. It'll email you a sleep report of how your baby slept the night before. And grandparents, you might love this. Your, grandpa- your grandkids might not have told you this, uh, or your kids, that now a lot of them are networked. So you can give access to the in-laws and to the grandparents so they can see the baby no matter where they are, and they can continue to tell you how to help raise the child, right? And say like, hey, I heard, I heard y'all fighting about something. Y'all need a, you know, you need a date night. But you can do all of this kind of stuff. And I've been learning about this, getting these ads for baby cameras. And one of the cameras, uh, and the ad, when it was trying to sell it to me, it said this. It said, buy this camera so that you can know your baby is okay. And you know, when I saw that, I, I kind of laughed because it was like, you know, for millennia, people have done without baby cameras and their babies have been okay. But then when I started thinking about it, I thought, well, you know what? There is some truth to that and there is some comfort in that. I mean, there's some comfort knowing as a parent, you know, what your baby's doing and and how they're doing. There's some comfort in knowing about your child. And as children grow up, I mean, one of the, the most important things parents can give to their child is the knowledge that they're known and that they're loved by a parent or by a guardian. You see, I think there's something comforting about knowing and being known. And that's why I think Psalm 139 is is one of the most beloved psalms in all of the psalms. When I've told people this summer that we're doing this series, people over and over again have said Psalm 139 is one of my favorites. And I, I think it's clear when you start reading it why it's people's favorites, and it's because it paints this beautiful image of the relationship that God, our Heavenly Father, wants with each of us, His children. And what we find when we look at the first 12 verses of this psalm is that the relationship starts acknowledging the reality that God 
knows us. God knows us intimately and personally. So I want to read with you the first 12 verses of the psalm. It's beautiful. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Throughout this psalm, knowing, known, knowledge, those words occur seven times. And seven times, if you're not familiar with kind of biblical numbers, seven is a number that represents fullness or completeness. And so as we read this psalm and David's painting this picture of the relationship that God wants with us, we get a picture of God knowing us fully and completely. God knowing our thoughts, our words, our actions, even before we're doing them. God being with us in the midst of every situation. And when David is painting this picture, there's some comfort that comes along with being known. There's some comfort, especially in our world today, because fewer and fewer people actually feel like they're known truly and fully by anybody. There was a recent study done that found that 54% of Americans polled said they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. People said they're constantly around people, like here at church, but they don't feel like people are actually with them or that people actually know them. And social media kind of exacerbates this problem because we're more connected than ever before, and yet most of us, I think if we were honest, would say that we feel less known than ever before. But David tells us there is one who knows us, who knows us fully and completely. There is one who knows the high times we're going through in life when we're, we're experiencing joy and our God is celebrating alongside of us. David tells us that there is someone when we are in the depths, when we're in the darkness, when we're mourning and when we're grieving, there is one who is there alongside of us, grieving with us. There is one who maybe you have a really boring and mundane job tomorrow morning that you're going to go to. There is a God who is with you and who knows exactly what you're going through. There is a God who's with us and who knows what we're going through. There is someone we don't have to explain ourselves to. We don't have to try to manage some kind of image and, and present some kind of front to. There is one, our God, who knows us fully and completely. And there's some comfort that comes along with that. But there's also some discomfort that comes along with that. There's some discomfort as well with being known. I don't know how many of you downloaded the Face app this week. Anybody in here download Face app? I know y'all are lying. <laughs> I know y'all are lying. 
So FaceApp, if you're not familiar, is one of the top apps in the App Store right now. Over 100 million people have downloaded it. And maybe you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, but maybe in just a minute you will. But it's an app where you take a picture, you upload it to the cloud, and then artificial intelligence modifies the picture and it, it manipulates the picture. And it's, I mean, it's amazing manipulation and it makes you look older, younger, all sorts of different things. And so people have been sharing these photos and they're kind of going viral. It's this crazy trend and it's really fun to see people's photos. I did mine recently, but I didn't think y'all would want to see it. No, I got it up here. Okay, this is me. This is me after children. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so this is me in like, I don't I, hopefully like 50 years, maybe. I don't know. But it's kind of creepy because when you see the photos, you're like, wow, they're actually pretty accurate. Um, so a lot of people have been downloading this app. They've been having a ton of fun with it. And when it kind of hit peak and like Facebook feeds are filling up with all of the, we can take it down now. Um, when all of the feeds are being filled with these pictures, then news comes out that it's actually a Russian company that owns FaceApp. And when you download the app, you're actually given the company permission to this. You're agreeing to this. Perpetual, irrevocable, royalty-free, worldwide license to use, reproduce, modify, publish, and create derivative works from your photos without compensation. In other words, we know your name, we have your photos, and we feel free to do whatever we want with them. So if you ever see my photo on a billboard like that, you can know I didn't get paid. I'm not quitting my job here. I'm not going into modeling or anything like that. This, when it all came out, now people are like quickly deleting the app and saying like posting warnings and everything because all of the sudden, you know, it went from fun and games to discomfort as people realized, oh, this company knows me and has my data and I don't know exactly what they're going to do with them. And for some of us, when we, when we realize the truth that God knows us, he knows our thoughts, he knows our words, he knows our actions, it, it makes us a little fearful as well. Because God knows our thoughts, he knows our, our positive thoughts, and he also knows our lustful thoughts. God knows our actions, he knows our acts of generosity and our acts of love, but he also knows our acts of hatred, our acts of bigotry. God knows what's in our heart when we're feeling love and compassion for him and when we're feeling hatred and disdain for other people. God knows us and he sees us and that can be a little bit scary at times. It can be a little bit scary because we're so used to being exploited, manipulated. We're so used to being shamed and being found out or exposed unwillingly that it can be a little discomforting and we kind of want to shy away from God. And so then we do like Adam and Eve did in the beginning. We start hiding from God because it's a little scary realizing that God actually knows us. But what's interesting in this psalm is that David, David, when he meditated on these truths, he didn't have fear. He didn't have fear that God knew him. Instead, these truths actually brought him great comfort. And they brought him great comfort because he knew that he was not only fully known by God, but he was also unconditionally loved by God. And Tim Keller, who's a retired pastor in New York City, um, he said this once, a quote that I love. He said, to be known and not loved is, 
is our greatest fear. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. And, and he says, look, this is why a lot of us hide in relationships. And we build up walls around our lives because we're afraid if people found out who we truly were, then they would run for the hills. They wouldn't want anything to do with us. And so a lot of us, we, we've learned how to manage our lives by, by keeping everybody at an arm's distance because we're afraid that if they truly came to know us, they would reject us and wouldn't want us. But then he goes on to say this. He goes on to say that to be loved but not known is comforting, but it's superficial. And so he says, look, if somebody says, I love you, but they don't really know you, they don't know your life, they don't know your experiences, they don't know your history, they don't know your thoughts, then, then you don't really receive it as a gift. It can never quite penetrate your heart because it feels hollow, it feels fake. To say I love you to somebody that you don't even know is kind of absurd. But then he goes on to say this. He goes on to say, God fully knows us and he truly loves us at the same time. God knows you inside and out and he loves you. And I'll add this, there's nothing that you can do about that. Paul in Romans chapter five, verse eight says it this way. He says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, when God created the world in the beginning, everything was good, but then we, we started to turn our backs on God, turn our backs on one another. Sin entered the picture, brokenness entered our world, and as God looked down at things, God saw the brokenness, he saw the sin, he saw the shame, he saw the guilt, he saw the messiness of it all, but instead of turning away from us and rejecting us and saying, look, I know you and I don't want anything to do with you, when God looked down at the world and saw everything going on, God didn't turn away from the world, instead God turned toward the world. God turned toward us. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to enter into the brokenness. I'm going to enter into the mess. And so God in the person of Jesus Christ in the fullness of time came into our world and he experienced the brokenness. He, he witnessed the sin up front and personal. The world through the worst that it had to offer at Jesus Christ. He experienced shame, suffering, and even death on a cross like this one over here. He experienced all of those things. And so when we think about God and the God we worship and God knowing us, the God that knows us is a God who's not distant and far away. The God we worship is a God who knows us and what we're going through intimately and personally. And our God, through Jesus Christ, stepped into the picture. He lived, he died, he rose again so that we could be forgiven. So that we could receive restoration in our relationships here on earth and restoration in our relationship with him. God knows us and he came in the person of Jesus Christ so that we might know him personally as well. And when you look at this psalm, especially the second half of the psalm, it becomes clear that David, who's writing this, he not only realizes that God knows us, he also, we see that he knows God. We also see he knows God. We find that he knows that God knows him and he knows God. 
He has a personal and intimate relationship with the God that he's singing and praying to. Here we see in verses 13 forward, he says, For you created my inmost being, God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David continues to make clear the truth that God knows us, but then he he kind of pushes us and leads us to ask the question, do we know God? Or to make it more personal, God knows you, but do you know God? Do you know that God is for you and not against you? Do you know that God created you wonderfully in your mother's womb? Do you know that God is with you wherever you go and whatever you do? In the darkest of times, there is no point in your life in which God has not been with you walking alongside of you. Do you know that God sent Jesus Christ into this world for you so that he could have a relationship personally and intimately with you? You see, there's a big difference in knowing about God and knowing God. And many people have sat in church, and many people have sat in church a lot of times all their lives, knowing about God, knowing facts about God, truths about God. You know, God created the world. God loves the world. God sent his son Jesus for the world. But they've never made that personal. They've never experienced the truth in their hearts that God created them, that God loves them and that God sent Jesus so that he could have a relationship with them. A lot of people have never taken that next step and really begun to have a personal relationship with God. They've never known God personally. And there is a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. And I thought about that this week when one of my friends, his wife, was headed to Houston. And she was headed to Houston for a writing conference for aspiring Christian writers And she was headed there because I follow Beth Moore and Jonathan Merritt and some other authors on Facebook and social media. And I saw that they were having this writing seminar and I knew my friend's wife was an aspiring writer. So I sent it to him. I said, hey, this could be a great gift for her. And so on Mother's Day, he gave her the gift. And this week she was headed out to Houston. And he texted me when she was on the way out. And he said, hey, she's headed to Houston. She's really excited. Um, If she talks to Beth Moore or any of the people there, will they know you by name? He was asking, look, do you know about these people or do you actually know these people? Are you just friends with them on Facebook and follow them on Instagram or do you actually have a relationship with them where they will know you by name? Because he didn't want his wife to be embarrassed when she got to the conference 
and said, hey, Beth Moore, do you know Jonathan Anderson? And she's like, literally no idea who that is. He didn't want her to be embarrassed. He knew there was a difference between knowing somebody and knowing about somebody. And there's a big difference for us as well. But what I want you to hear this morning is that God wants to know you. That's why he came in the person of Jesus Christ, so that you would know his great love for you personally and intimately, so that it would take hold and take root deep in your heart. And that relationship, it's not super complicated to start it. To start that relationship, all you have to do is to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are who you said you are, and I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be the leader of my life. And when we say, Jesus, I believe in you, I believe you came and died for me, you rose again for me so that I could have a relationship. Yes, Jesus came for the cosmos and to restore all things, but he also came for us personally. And when we accept that reality personally, Jesus comes into our hearts. His presence lives and reigns within us, and we experience his love personally. We experience the forgiveness of our sins. We begin to hear his voice. We have assurance of our salvation and we have the opportunity to begin growing in that relationship with him every single day of our lives. And I know many of you here have begun that relationship. And when that relationship begins, it's like all relationships, it has the opportunity to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. And the way that relationship grows it's kind of like we see David doing in this psalm. It grows as we spend time with God in his word and prayer, through fellowship, through serving other people. It grows as we spend time with God and as we surrender more and more of our lives to him. It grows as we say to God, God, you know me. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Search me and lead me in the way of life everlasting. Knowing God is the greatest gift that you can ever receive in your life. And maybe you've sat in church all your life, maybe you're here this morning and this is a new message for you or maybe it's just striking you in some different way. In just a minute, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray and to just say to God, God, I want to begin a relationship with you. Maybe that's you this morning. But knowing God is the greatest gift that you can ever receive. But knowing God and helping others know him is also the greatest gift that you can give to other people as well. Because the sequence of how things go in this relationship with God is this, that God knows us. God initiates a relationship with us. He wants us to know him, and we have that opportunity through Jesus Christ. But then he wants us to go out and to help introduce him to other people. And as Emily and I have been thinking about our, our child, baby Anderson, we don't know if it's a boy or girl, so you don't have to ask yet. As we've been thinking about it, we've been thinking, you know, I've been thinking about all the gifts I want to give our child and, you know... The reason I got ads for baby cameras is because I had been to a baby camera website and all the websites talk to each other now. But I've been thinking about the nursery and painting and this different stuff and accessories and I love 
buying stuff and gadgets. And so Emily is kind of like telling me to stop my role and slow down and not buy anything yet. But as we've been thinking about all of those different gifts that we could give our future child, just kind of organically in our own prayer time over our child, we've been coming back again and again to the same prayer. And that is that our child would come to know God. That through us, through through our relationship, through this church, that, that we would know God and that we would help our child know God. And we've been praying this because this is the greatest gift that we can ever give to our future family. And that is the greatest gift that you can give to your family as well. Knowing God and helping others know him is the greatest gift that you can give to your spouse. It's the greatest gift that you can give to your children, to your parents, to your parents-in-law, to your classmates, to the people on your sports teams. Knowing God and having Jesus Christ in you and you shining his light through you and introducing other people to him, it is the greatest gift you can ever give because this gift, look, it doesn't go out of style. It doesn't fade with the trends. It's not like an iPhone that becomes obsolete eventually. This is a gift that will last forever. It's a gift that transforms our past as we experience forgiveness and freedom. It's a gift that changes our present as we come to know God's unconditional love for us. And it's a gift that will last in the future as we spend not only eternity with God, but as we experience eternity, as we experience the abundant and the eternal life that he has for us right here and right now. God knows you, and he loves you. He wants you to know him, and he wants you to introduce him to others as well. Let's pray that it might be so. God, we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you for creating us, for loving us, for sustaining us. God, we thank you that you are not distant, that you don't reign from afar, but that you have come into our world and you know what we're going through. You know the highs, you know the lows, and you are with us every step of the way. God, we give you thanks for that. And we pray that being known would bring us comfort today and it wouldn't bring us fear. We pray that your love would fill our hearts and overwhelm us today. And God, we believe that whether we acknowledge that you know us or not, that, that you still do. That you still know us and you still love us. But God, we know that we were created to know you as well. And so if you're here this morning and, and you feel like you know about God, but you don't know God, that it's never become personal in your life, I want to invite you to just, just pray right now in your own heart and in your own words. And just say, God, you know me. And I want to know you. I believe in your son, Jesus. And I want to make him the leader of my life. I want to turn from my old way of life and I want to follow him. I want to know you and for you to lead me. 
Knowing God is simply surrendering our heart over to Him. Giving Him all that we have and all that we are and asking Him to come and to live in us. So God, we thank you for the people who are, who are praying that right now. And we pray that your love will be experienced and overwhelm them in their hearts, even in these moments. And God, for those of us who've known you for a long time, God, like the old song says, we've walked with you and we've talked with you. We've tarried with you. We know that you've been with us through the good times and the bad times. God, you are faithful. God, help us to be more faithful to you. Help us to surrender more and more of our lives to you. God, the areas that we're holding back, that we're hiding, help us to hand them over today. And God, in this next season, as people are starting new things and experiencing new schedules and classes and schools, God, we know that there's an openness and a receptivity to you in the midst of this newness of life. And God, we pray that you would help put people in our paths. Help us recognize the people who are in need of you and help us to make yourself known to them. God, put people in our hearts, put people in our minds. Give us the courage and the boldness to share who you are and what you've done for us. God, this is our prayer today. This is our prayer. And we surrender our lives to you. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?